Our speaker this morning is my favourite son-in-law. And for those of you that don't know, I can say that because he's the only son-in-law I've got. But even if, even if he wasn't, he'd be one of my favourites. He's an incredible mentor. For those of you that have been mentored by him, you would know that. Absolutely phenomenal. He's an incredible leader and he's an incredible preacher. Why don't you welcome Brendan this morning as he comes. Thank you. Pastor Vicky's my favourite mother-in-law so far. <laughs> By far. So we're good. We're good. Let's, uh, let's pray before we start. Father, I thank you that you are with us. You're with us here this morning. I thank you that anybody who feels like maybe they're alone or maybe they're going through difficult circumstances, I pray this morning that by your Spirit, they would know that they're not alone, that you are with them, that you are moving in their life. And we pray, Father, for miracles to happen this morning in people's circumstances. And Father, in my message, I'm going to compare Jesus to Miss United States. And I pray that anybody who's offended by that would have a soft heart and get over it quickly in Jesus' name. <laughs> and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Oh, gosh. Now you're going to be waiting for it. It's good. We live in a world where we're meant to be so connected, right? We can pull our phone out of our pocket and we can call anybody on the planet, maybe except for people in North Korea. But most people we can call, you can connect with people all over the place. And yet it's easy to find ourselves feeling lonely. Even though we can connect with so many people, sometimes we feel alone. A lot of the time it's actually easy to lack true connection. Some days I find myself coming home from work and I realize, you know, I sent emails and I made calls, but today I didn't ever really make a true connection with somebody. I think it's, it's similar with our relationship with God. I think it's easy to go about our business and never really stop to just connect with God. Sometimes we might even say some short prayers, but we don't make a proper connection. You know, God is a lot of things. I don't know if you've heard these words before. God is omnipresent. Does anyone know what that means? Omnipresent means he is everywhere at all times. God is omniscient, which means he is knowing all things. And God is omnipotent, which means he has all power. So you could summarize it like this. You could say, God is universally present in person, in understanding, and in power at all times. I hear that. I'm like, I don't know. I don't, it doesn't really, it's too much for me to comprehend. It's so beyond my understanding and my experience, I can't understand it. But there is something that God is that I think is more meaningful to us and more powerful to us than any of those things put together. And that is that God is with us. He is with me and he is with you. So that means every moment in every day he is with us 
And if we turn our attention to him, then we're able to connect with him in a meaningful way. In the lead up to Christmas, we're looking at, a, at the story leading up to the nativity, the story of the first Christmas. So let's read together in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. We're going to look at Joseph's part of the story this morning. It says this, This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus in Hebrew means God saves. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, which is Isaiah. It says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Everybody say Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When, Jesus, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Let's just look at that last line for a moment. It says, and Joseph named him Jesus. Here's what I thought when I first read that story. I thought, he named him Jesus. He gave him the wrong name. The angel said, supposed to call him Emmanuel, and they called him Jesus instead. How are you supposed to give someone two names? Was he meant to be Jesus Emmanuel? Was that meant to be his middle name? He said, call him Jesus, and then he said he'd be called Emmanuel. I said, well, which one is it going to be? Don't stuff it up, but he can't. He's got to pick one or the other. Why didn't they give him the right name? If you read carefully, they were to name him Jesus, but he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, which means God with us. It's a bit like Dwayne the Rock Johnson. His name is Dwayne, but he is called the Rock. Or it's a bit like Miss United States. Her name is Kara, but she is called Beauty and Grace right? And so Jesus is called Emmanuel because Jesus is God with us. His name is Jesus, but he is to be called Emmanuel. You see, Jesus is the visible image of our invisible God. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. So that means if you've ever said these words, you know, it's hard to believe in God because I can't see him. Well, we're to look to Jesus because he is the visible image of an invisible God. He shows us what God is like. You might say, but Jesus isn't here with me. Well, the author of Matthew has got an answer to that. <clears throat> he starts the book by saying there was this prophecy, right? hundreds of years ago, that says that the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel. And so the author's saying, ah, you're thinking to yourself, hang on a minute, he's called Jesus. But I want to show you something. 
if you go all the way to the end of his book, he's showing you this theme. Because in Matthew 28, 20, the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples before he goes to heaven, he gives them the great commission to go and make disciples. And at the end, he says, and be sure of this. What does he say? I am with you always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, keep in mind, he's about to leave. He's literally about to go to heaven. And so he's going to be essentially not with them. And his last statement is, I will be with you. He's not saying God will be with you. He's saying, I will be with you because Jesus is God and he is God with us. What does that mean? Our message is God is with us because Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. He isn't distant. He isn't just everywhere. He is with me. He is with you. He can fill you with his power. He can clothe you with his power. He can live on the inside of you. And that means that whatever you're going through, Jesus is with you. Can you turn to the person next to you, help me preach and say, Jesus is with you. Matthew Henry, an old American author said, uh, say old, he wasn't like 200 years old. He lived some time ago. He said, by the light of nature, so when you look at nature, we see God as a God above us. By the light of the law, when you look at the law, we see God as a God against us. But by the light of the gospel, we see him as Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be set free, made right with God, and he could be with us. So I want us to look at this story again in light of <clears throat> Joseph's calling by the angel. Here's a guy. He's a young, he's a tradie, right? He puts his high vis on in the morning. He goes to work. He's a, a long time we thought he was a chippy, like a carpenter. But some people speculate that maybe there's not that many trees in that region of the world. Maybe he was actually a stonemason. The word that we use is basically tradie. And so you've got this young tradie and he's got a fiance. He's got a, he's got a bird and uh, oh, that's, a, that's a woman. Um, he doesn't have a bird on his finger. That would be bizarre. He's preparing <coughs> to get married. It's not like a pirate with a parrot that sits there, hello, hello, I'm Joseph. And so Joseph and Mary are preparing for their wedding. I assume they're in love. I assume that they've got all the bridal magazines and Mary's picking out her dress, figuring out what's the venue going to be, who are we going to invite? And then Joseph will be like, let's invite all these people. And Mary will be like, Brendan, you just want to invite everyone to our wedding. We have to, oh, sorry, sorry. They're, they're getting ready for the wedding. They're excited. They're sending the notices out. Save the date. They've had the conversation with each other. Let's honor God and let's honor the institution of marriage. Let's save sex for marriage. So let's, let, they're not living together yet, but they've, they've promised to one another. And so we're going to keep that sacred. We're going to save that for marriage. And they agree. 
And then Mary comes to Joseph one day. She's been wearing baggy tops for a while. And, and she says those terrible, heart-pounding words. Joseph, we need to talk. There's something that I have to tell you. And she, she tries to get the words out, but she just can't. So she lifts up her top and shows him her baby bump. Now, these guys, remember, they've had the conversation. They've decided we're not going to have sex before marriage. And so Joseph knows too well that that baby is, that's not his baby. And so you've got to think, for Joseph, his life is going pretty well. He's, he's got a good plan laid out. And all of a sudden, he's essentially finding out that his fiancée is an adulteress. That's what would, he would have had to think. You've been... Not only did you not save yourself for me like we agreed we were going to, but now you've been sleeping around with somebody else. And then she tops it off. She says, no, 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 the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And he'd be thinking, are you crazy? What are you talking about? I had a young person come to me once and they said, I'm worried my girlfriend's pregnant. I said, when did you start having sex? I said, oh, no, we haven't had sex. Well, why are you worried she's pregnant? Well, she's late on her period. So when did you start having sex? No, 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 we didn't, we didn't do that. We, didn't, we haven't done that. I don't understand the logic in your mind. Talk me through what's going on. He said, it's happened before, hasn't it? Said, are you talking about the immaculate conception? <laughs> are you telling me that you think your girlfriend's late on her period and so maybe God's impregnated her with the Holy Spirit. I said, I think, I think your chances are slim. Maybe wait a few more days and <clears throat> if you're actually worried, maybe be honest with me next time. He would be thinking, man, she's lost her marbles. Now she's lying to me as well. She's trying to tell me that God gave her a baby. I know how babies are made. I did year six ed and year five. His whole life would have been thrown into turmoil. He's got a plan. They're on the path. They're going to get married. They've got the bridal magazines. They've sent the save the date out. But now he has to figure out what am I going to do? And the Bible says he's a righteous man. He doesn't want to embarrass her publicly. The punishment for adultery is tough. And so he wants to do it quietly. He wants to say, oh, let's end this. But God has a different plan. Maybe you have a situation in your life where you feel like it hasn't gone according to plan. Maybe you feel like your life was panning out pretty well and it was on a good path and then all of a sudden the whole thing is thrown up into turmoil because something unexpected came along. In Joseph's story, we get, a, we get an image of the fact that God does not abandon us in terrible circumstances. God is not abandoning you in your circumstance. In fact, God is with him. Quite literally, God is coming to be with Joseph in his terrible circumstance. And right there in the middle of the turmoil, Joseph discovers the problem is the plan. Not the plan is the problem. Oh, that's, I didn't realize how confusing that would sound. I thought it'd be quite profound. <coughs> The problem that Joseph has is not a problem. It is the plan. It's God's plan. 
maybe the problem that you have is not actually a problem. It's part of the plan. God has a plan in your life and maybe the problem is not the end, but a new beginning. Maybe God's not abandoned you, but maybe God is right there with you. This is a story about a man who realizes that in the midst of everything, God is with him. It's a big responsibility for a young tradesperson, isn't it? Like imagine you're a 19-year-old chippy and your current responsibilities involve rocking up to work on time, building houses, cutting wood, making sure you don't offend the boss. And then an angel appears to you and says, also, I would like you to be the father to God. Okay. I feel like actually parenthood is hard enough just even if your baby's not God. I recently had a son about six months ago, and I was struck by the fact that, man, God really, he's got a funny way of doing things, doesn't he? Like, if you get a job, you need to be trained, you need to have qualifications, you've got to put your CV together. To have a baby, you really need very few qualifications. You need fertility. That's about all you need. And so he gives you a baby to two people who are completely unqualified, they're completely inexperienced, and to top it all off, they're really, really tired. They're meant to look after this thing, which, and babies just have no, like, they're actually useless, aren't they? They can't even, they can't feed themselves, they can't, they, they can do very little. I mean, they can't walk, they can't sit up, they can't even look at things properly. <clears throat> when James was born, we asked the midwife, could you show us how to do the breastfeeding thing? She said, get ready. This is amazing. It's called the breast crawl. What we'll do is we'll put him down on your chest and he will just, he will just find the breast. It's amazing. It's such a beautiful thing. And, and so she gets him, and Kirsty gets herself ready, and she puts him down on Kirsty's chest, and James goes, <laughs> and then just starts to go like this. But he's nowhere near the breast. <laughs> it was about 10 minutes later, the midwife came back in. She said, we might just give him a bit of a hand, shall we? <laughs> As he gets, please. We told our other midwife later. We said, he didn't do very well at the breast scroll thing. And she said, oh, was that Kate? She loves the breast scroll. It never works. <laughs> Babies are pretty much helpless. And God chose to come to the earth as a baby, as a helpless baby. And he chose a young chippy to be his dad. He said, You're gonna, you can be his dad. You protect him. You look after him. And you think, gosh, he's a pretty ordinary dude. And you might think to yourself, I'm pretty ordinary. Can I tell you this morning that being ordinary does not exclude you from being part of God's extraordinary plan? 
You can be part of a much bigger plan. Doesn't matter how ordinary you think you are. Doesn't matter if you think you're too young or too old or too middle-aged or, <coughs> or if you're too this or too that or too smart or too dumb or too rich or too poor. You can be part of God's extraordinary plan. What we need to do is to look to Him, to listen and to obey. So I want to give you three really quick ways that you can know Emmanuel, God with you. The first is to accept him. Joseph accepted the call to become God's father, if you like. Father to God's son, Jesus. For us to have God with us, we need to accept him into our lives. If you've never done that before, you need to do that this morning. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that at the end. The second thing is we need to connect with Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph names Jesus, which is the father's responsibility. So he's fulfilling his responsibility as a father figure. If we've accepted Jesus, then we need to fulfill the purpose of the relationship we have with Emmanuel. If God is with us, we need to connect with him. What is the point of having God with us if we don't acknowledge him when he's with us? Yesterday, we were doing some baking with the family, getting ready for the Chris Kindermark up at C3 Adelaide Hills. And we had a really full day. So you're busy, busy. I know none of you ever get busy, right? No one's ever busy. But I found myself taking the rubbish out. And it was that night, I was taking the rubbish out to the bin. And I just took a moment and I thought, I'm preaching on God with us tomorrow. And I thought, God is with me now. And right in that moment, I felt God's presence, God's spirit come upon me. And I felt like if we would just take a moment every day, at least once a day, to say, God, thank you for being with me right now. I thank you for your presence that's here. Then I believe that he would fill our life with a whole new life. That he would fill us with every good thing. So I want to ask you, when was the last time you connected with God? The third thing we need to do is to obey. God comes to Joseph many times. Move Jesus there. It's not safe. Now it's safe again. Move him back. Joseph's response is always to obey. His calling is to protect Jesus, and he does that by obeying God. And the same is true for us. If you have God with you, then we're called to protect God with us. We do that through obedience to him. John 15 verse 4 says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. It's Jesus talking. Verse 10 says, Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. When there is sin in our lives that isn't dealt with, it's like a poison to our relationship with God. And so, I used to think that sin is like, you know, it's theoretically bad, so you shouldn't do it. But I've realized that if it's a poison that poisons our relationship with Emmanuel, God with us, it's like he's, he's pulling us this way. He's trying to lead us and guide us this way, and our sin is pulling us this way. We need to cut it off and follow him. That's how we maintain and protect our relationship with Emmanuel.
Would you stand with me here this morning? First thing I want to do before we close is to ask if there's anybody here where you have never accepted Jesus into your heart. You don't know Emmanuel, God, with us because you haven't asked him to come in. Maybe you've asked him to come in in the past, but you've walked away, you've been pulled away, whatever it is, and you want to ask him to come back into your life this morning. Can I ask everybody to close their eyes? In this moment, if that's you here this morning, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, you've never accepted him into your heart, or you've done it before but you want to do it again, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand so I can see and we'll pray together to ask him to come into your heart. Is there anybody here who wants to do that? Would you lift your hand for me so I can see? We'll pray together. Fantastic. I just want to take a moment right now. Keep your eyes closed. To acknowledge Emmanuel, God with us. So right where you're standing, why don't you just put your focus on God, on Jesus. He's not distant or far away. He's right here with you. Thank you, Father, that you bridged the gap. That our sin no longer has hold over us. We can have close relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd touch every person right here, right now. Fill them with your presence. Thank you, Lord, that every one of us has been born again, filled with your spirit, and we walk with you, that you are God with us. I pray, Father, that every person that's here this morning would at some stage during this week turn to you in a quiet time, be able to connect, make a meaningful connection with you. Thank you that you're with us all. If you're in a difficult circumstance, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I'd love to pray for you. Father, I thank you that every person with their hands lifted, you're filling them right now, equipping them to face whatever it is that they're going through. I thank you, Jesus, that you are leading and guiding them. Pray for their courage to obey you as you lead them. I thank you, Jesus, that you are filling them with your presence every minute of every hour of every day so that they can be strong and courageous. I thank you, Jesus, that you are with us, that your power is with us, that your healing is with us. I thank you that every power of darkness is defeated because you are with us. 
So I thank you, Jesus, that you would continue to encourage us as we go this week, that you are with us and all things are possible through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Brendan. What a powerful message this morning. God is with us. Such a, a, a timely reminder when we're going through things every day, just to take that moment to remind ourselves we're not alone. God is with us and he has everything under control, but we've got to turn to him.